Hello and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. The waters in the mortgage industry can be pretty muddy. Whether it's investing, leasing, renting, home insurance, or myths and misconceptions, Welcome Home Radio has the answers for you, the consumer. And now, to help you make the right home buying decision for you and your family, here are your hosts. And welcome to Welcome Home Radio, where real estate lending and learning come together. We are back, and it is April 13th. 2022. Changes are that we are not live. We're doing a full video podcast and you can find us at welcomehomeradio.net on Facebook as well as YouTube. With the real estate market booming, inflation increasing and rates are just going up. Recession is on the horizon. Are you concerned to sell or to buy? Do you have fear in the market? With the topsy-turvy market, many are asking these questions, but Do I buy? Do I sell? Do I lease? Rent? What should I do? So today we want to welcome to our show one of our key sponsors, the Ravencroft Group. And Eric Ravencroft himself is with us. So glad you're here, sir. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Well, we've been looking forward to talking about this. And of course, uh, my co-hosts, Tom and Alan, so glad to see y'all today. Good morning. Good to see Abe's doing okay back there. Yes, he is. <laughs> and you can find us at welcomehomeradio.net. All of our shows, episodes, like us there, like us on Facebook, like us on YouTube. And of course, Alan's going to be able to tell you all the other podcasts where we where they can find be found at. If uh, at Apple, Lillard. Spotify, Amazon Music, you bet, brother. We're all over the place. We are. We are. 2022 is going to be a blow up year for us. But we're really here about removing fear. And and Eric, you've got so much experience in this. Why don't you give us a quick history of your experience so our listeners can understand where the education, where the, the knowledge is coming from? Sure, definitely. So I, I'm actually out here in, in Arizona. I spent my whole life mostly on the West Coast, California, Oregon, Arizona. But right now we're seeing the, the real estate market as a whole is, is pretty much kind of the same everywhere. My background is actually in financial planning and wealth management. So I kind of bring a little bit of a different approach to real estate. And a lot of it is just shifting the mindset. So my background is a financial advisor, a manager of advisors. And then my last stint in the wealth management space, I oversaw wealth management. So my background is a little bit different, but I'm looking at things like you would any investment from a long-term horizon, uh, from a value-driven horizon, and just really setting everyone up as much as possible for financial success and building wealth. And uh, with real estate, you know, especially in the last few years, a lot of individuals have come into a, a good deal of wealth from whether it's primary residence, whether it's rentals, second homes, whatever the case may be. So that is the approach uh, that I take when looking at real estate as well as educating individuals. Could I ask you a quick question on that, Eric? Sure. Is it understood or is it agreed or is it, you know, common knowledge, but real estate is the number one way of creating wealth. Is that a true statement or fact in that? That, is, that is true. That is very much the case. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people, it's it's the American dream, of course, to own your primary home ownership residency, mm-hmm. 
But I think that statement and you bring a lot of tools to the game of real estate just due to the fact that you understand if you want to generate more wealth, real estate is a key thing for that. Would you? I mean, I'm assuming that I think that's valid, but you can really validate that because you've seen people grow in, in that entity. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that was that was a, always a topic when I was in the wealth management space. Uh, you have the trade off between investing in stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds versus real estate and, and why real estate provides so much opportunity, why it really is the key driving factor to wealth is because, well, one, it's a basic need. We can live in a home. We can't live in a stock. We can't live in a mutual fund. So it's a basic necessity that we're, we're always going to have. It's something that's concrete. It's tangible. But over more than that, there's tax benefits with real estate. A lot of times there's no tax benefits with regard to stocks. And in addition, there's income streams that you can have from real estate. So there's so many different variables and I'm sure we can, we can talk for hours about it today. Yeah. kind of want to really help those who maybe just are a little bit scared in this market, but in, in an overall, just general sense, there's so many opportunities with real estate to own real estate and how it could work for you. Well, I want I want to take a moment and allow my co-host Tom to really set the market conditions on what we see right now so that he he can give a, a fairly good 50,000 foot overview what we what we're seeing and what we can possibly expect over the next 6 to 9 months of 2022. So Tom, if you could give us give our listener and audience some establish of what you see in the market today because we're going to talk about fear and whether it's there, whether it's removing it, whether it's a mindset. So give us that understanding of what people are seeing. Well, uh, the first thing you see is that if you're going to leverage real estate as an investor and you're looking at it into the future, your cost of carrying has increased quite a bit from a three and a quarter percent investor rate to a five and a half percent investor rate is a fairly substantial carrying charge that somewhat deters you when you're looking at real estate. So that means that we're going to be more as a real estate investor. And I'm personally one myself. Uh, I'm going to be more intuitive or more looking at and more introspective of the um, actual cost of the property, uh, that the properties, uh, there would be an, uh, an anticipation that this total wackiness with pay anything for any type of real estate anywhere at any level, uh, that that will subside to some degree because at some point you can't make money on real estate you paid too much for. So that would be my, and that would, I, I would say that's in the near future. I'd say that's in the next six months. And then overall, we're seeing not only rates rising, but we see inflation being an issue. We're seeing, you know, shelves not stocked as, as tightly. Uh, we see cost of living, whether it be food or gas or anything moving around. We see unemployment is down, but is that really the unemployment number or are people more people living off the government entity? Um, well, statistically yeah. speaking, there are more females that have not re-entered the workplace because they're stay-at-home moms now. And that is statistically what is driving the number uh, 
as despite the fact we've got the lowest unemployment in more than 55 years, uh, we're not seeing the, the women that have had a chance to stay home with their kids go back to work uh, at this point. So that's what's driving. It's not the government. Government handouts have stopped, just so you understand. They've stopped. It's a weird dynamic right now, though, the record low unemployment, yet something seems off. You know? Well, we don't have the immigration part that's working in our uh, in our system anymore. I mean, the people that pick the berries that we go to the Kroger and buy every day, the, those people aren't in the United States on work visas anymore. That uh, we, We've made it very, very difficult for foreign workers to work here. And that goes all the way from that type of labor all the way through higher uh, types of labor like for taking care of our elderly and those types of folks. That industry is way short, way short. And well, not as yeah. an old person, I worry about that. <laughs> well, let's, let's I take, need somebody to take care of me. Please. Well, you'll be taken care of, Tom, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> we, since 2008, we have had unbelievable interest rates. And with yeah. rates rising, I'm going to say generally the market is scared. The market is challenged. The market is concerned. Eric, should that concern be validated or should that concern, why are you even thinking this way? I mean, help us understand this fear of rising rates, please. Sure. Yeah, it really comes down. You kind of mentioned it earlier, but it, it comes down to a mindset. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a change, but we shouldn't be afraid of it. Um, rising rates in a general sense are a good thing. Um, and at the end of the day, interest okay, rates wait a minute. and I'm loans. Sorry, wait a minute. You just said something. What do you mean a good thing here? Now help, help our listeners understand what you mean by that. Sure. So in the sense of rates, if, if we have rates that are always, what were we last year, like two years ago, we were hovering around 2.75 just like the home price is appreciating, that's not sustainable. We need rates to go up for a number of reasons. One, as we're seeing right now, to hopefully and somewhat offset the high inflation rates. Here in Arizona, we have the highest inflation rate in the country. We're, we just hit over 10% in inflation. Congratulations. Um, we like Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a, a congratulations there, but it's... Uh, <laughs> Basically, inflation and the, the basic term of inflation is there's so much cash going after so little goods. So if we're rising rates, we not rising rates, but just the Fed is rising rates and interest rates for loans are going up. That's in theory going to uh, stabilize things a little bit more. Um, we're, we're not going to have this mad rush to homes. Hopefully that's the case. That's what logic and that's what the theory uh all points to but uh yeah it's it's just a healthy thing that we have a little bit of a rising rates it's the same and not to go into the stock market but it's the same when we have a correction it's not sustainable to see years where you're 28 percent up 38 percent up in the market it's the same exact concept at some point money has to be more valuable than it is now and that's the attempt going on with the interest rates going up and um so Eric, you're part of the Fathom Realty family, as am I. And uh, how is it going out there? I know you attract people because you're in Arizona. People move there from all over the United States for a lot of different reasons, the weather being probably one of the main ones. 
Um, yeah. How's it going out there? And what are you seeing with uh, the way prices? I know you said inflation's really high in Arizona, but people moving to Arizona, how, what are they talking about? Why are they coming there? And what do they see in their economy where they're coming from? What, do you, what kind of things are you hearing? Yeah. So the, the biggest things, I mean, 90% of our growth this last year came from relocations, people coming in. The top states were California, uh, Oregon, Washington, and Illinois. Those were those were the top four. Those will probably continue to be the top four uh, this year as well. But the big driving factors is, is growth. Arizona and the Phoenix area as a whole has never really been a place for job growth. Uh, that changed in the last few years, of course, with the ability for remote working. Uh, it changed with Arizona just being very aggressive, um, trying to bring in new businesses. Um, in addition, like you said, the weather, of course, it's amazing. That would be a different story, of course, if we have this conversation a month from now, where we're probably going to start hitting you know, the mid-90s to 100. But it is a lot of the growth, low taxes, low property taxes, um, and still we're relatively affordable compared to the rest of the West coast. So we're starting to see as interest rates are going up, those who are in the Californians, Oregon, Washington, that's kind of the final straw. They, they can't afford living there anymore. So they're coming here to Arizona where maybe their business has a headquarters or they can work remotely. Um, we also have a big market for second homes, retirees, a lot of retirees or snowbirds um, as we like to call them, will come here in the winter. Um, and they, most of the time, they can afford a home here, and sometimes they can't afford a second home uh, where they live or, or somewhere else. So it is kind of been this perfect storm over the last two years. March of this year really was when our market heated back up. We have seen demand hit all-time highs this year. Uh, we've seen the amount of offers trump what we saw in 2020 and 2021 as we're getting closer to the summer months we we expect that to continue just because it, it is a hot spot and no pun intended with you know, the weather but there's so many variables of growth there's so many variables with we have so much space and land to build that just helps out with our overall and how are prices what are people paying for if you list a home for six hundred thousand, what is typically that home getting just as an example Right now, I, typically it's at least 10% over yeah. list. That's about yeah. right. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Again, if anybody has any questions, go to welcomehomeradio.net, ask questions if you're going to go to Arizona, or just want to talk to Eric about financial planning or anything involved with real estate. You can reach him there. Uh, all his contact information is there, and um, I'm sure he'll return your call promptly. Yes, you'll find them on our sponsor page at welcomehomeradio.net. Eric, one of the things that I loved about uh, your simple write-up that you had for us and, and talked about was leveraging a mortgage as a tool instead of a debt or a, you know, a liability or so forth. Used it as a tool. I totally agree with you in that aspect. Would you please explain to our audience what do you mean by that so that they can understand and, and how, like you said, changing the mindset removing the noise, what does all that mean in leveraging or using a mortgage as a tool? Sure. So in general sense, we're talking, you know, if we were looking at a, let's say $500,000 home, most people don't have $500,000 just sitting readily available to buy that property. 
especially if it's if you're a first-time home buyer. So a loan should be seen as a tool. It is a tool that allows you to get into a home. It allows you to get into a property. Um, the way that I look at it is kind of what all your what are your alternatives? You can leverage a loan that gives you the ability to own a home. Yes, you pay interest. Yes, rates are going up. That shouldn't be a fear because you're still getting into an asset that over time has appreciated, where you have tax benefits, where you can then pivot and use that to provide yourself with income, whether it's in retirement or in a few years, versus the alternative of renting or leasing, where you're just throwing money away every month. So a loan gives you the ability, uh, in this case, a mortgage gives you the ability to access home ownership. Um, I look at it too, from the history of rates, we've, we've all talked about this back in, you know, uh, I think it was 82. Well, if you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the rates, <laughs> the rates were wrong. Oh, we can do a good old, job of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> rates were Wait, what? I mean, they, first grade. they were for sure over 10%. I, I, I'm pretty sure of that. You're so right. uh, 14 yeah. and a quarter. There you go. So this little bump of increase in rates shouldn't be any type of fear for anyone. Cause again, I look at things from a long term. If I'm buying a, a property, I'm not looking at it in two years. I'm not looking at it in five years. I'm not even looking at the interest I'm paying because I know over the course of 20 years, 30 years, however, I'm owning that long, I'm owning that property. It's going to appreciate. I'm going to get some type of value from it, whether it's basic human shelter and I have ownership in it. I'm not just funding someone else's retirement, as I like to tell people when you're leasing. Um, so it is a tool that allows you to have access to that first stepping stone to building wealth is really the, the general sense of. of uh, That's very well put. And speaking of home shelter, we got a chance of baseball and tennis ball size hail here in North Texas today. So we're going to need our roofs. Oh, yeah. You don't have that problem where you live, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> they have a dry heat said, there. He was What's kind that? when he said 90 degrees to 100. I think it's more like 100 to 115 out there in the summer months. But it's a dry yeah. heat. It's a dry, it's a dry heat. heat. So, it, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah it doesn't deal. really count. It doesn't really count. We don't oh, get the I, humidity here. 115 and, all that. and 95 the same. You know, my dad did the, the thing you discussed. He left. Dallas Fort Worth and he moved to Mesa mm -hmm. and he, he said, I did it for the weather and he did it for the dry heat. He felt better. Arthur, he said, he just felt better living in Arizona. And, um, that was my dad personally. But then when he got even older, he came back to be closer to family. But, um, I visited him there in his retirement communities. He had to be 55 or older to buy. It was really a lot of fun. And he really enjoyed that whole area. And, um, it was, it was a good experience for him. Yeah. Eric, I want to take us on to something else that you've said to me, which is to be flexible. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by being flexible in that sense? I mean, I, I can't put my leg over my head if that's the flexibility. <laughs> Tom, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Nor do we want to see that. Nine one one, please. Yeah, it's definitely nine one one. Uh, what do you mean by being flexible for our, for the client? 
Yeah, so it really comes down to just adjusting and really comparing what is a need and what is just merely a want. Because uh, there's, uh, we all know there's a big difference. No, wait a minute. I don't know. My wants <laughs> and my needs should be the same. I wish it was that easy. Um, <laughs> but, and, and Alan knows this, especially when we're, we're dealing with buyers all the time. A lot of times it's it's not just first-time home buyers. It's sometimes experienced buyers where that's where we have to provide education and also focus on value because sometimes there's value, really great value to be had, even if it doesn't check one of those boxes. You know, if it's, well, I need a three-car garage. Well, I mean, maybe that's just a want. You know, this is a great value in a great neighborhood. There's a lot of growth coming to this area. School districts are you know, really high or top rated. So it's being flexible in the terms of adjusting your needs and wants, determining what is a need and what is a want. And then focusing on the value, you know, adjusting your priorities a little bit. Um, getting into something is better than getting into nothing is what I tell all buyers. That is really key. And it, it sometimes your folks that have aged a little bit, been in their second or third home, it's different now, even though they bring their past experiences and they're not understanding. I, they, I didn't get this money and save all my money by paying 150,000 more for $800,000 house. You know, it's, it's a value is a really tough thing to discuss. And it's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. And, and Eric's right. We talk about value versus need versus one all the time with buyers. It's, it's a constant conversation. Yeah. And, and the, the big conversation we always have, and, and I always ask all buyers is, how long do you realistically see yourself in this home that we're looking for? Statistics show that most people don't stay in their home 30 years, 20 years, even 10 years. So what is the probability that you're going to stay in this home? And a lot of times they know the answer and it's less than five years a lot of the time. So this is, again, it's a stepping stone. It's better than something than nothing. And a lot of times they have the idea, oh, well, we're going to be in this home for a few years and then we'll trade up or this turns into a rental. So it's providing us with income to offset this mortgage plus provide help uh, on that next home. So that's kind of where being flexible, adjusting priorities come in is asking buyers those questions. The light bulb goes off of, oh yeah, you know, we want a 2,500 square foot home, but maybe we don't need it right now. Maybe we could do an 1,800 or below 2,000 get by for a few years and then kind of trade up. So that's really where the mindset comes is shifting the mindset to looking at long-term and being flexible to adjust your needs and wants. And unfortunately it's something all buyers have had to do in this last several years, just with, with so much competition and, and prices going up. And when you're in the kitchen of a house with the husband and wife discussing this, man, it can be 360 on views, you know, Oh yeah. one over here, one over there, honey, this is our house. No, we're not overpaying for it. You know, it's like, well, this is what we want. No, this, you know, and then Eric and I generally go, I'll give you guys a few minutes. I'll be right over here. You know, and and, uh, we're here to help. If you have any questions, you know, we'll do our best to answer them, but take a few minutes, you know, (laughs) right, Eric? Yep, definitely. Yeah, it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Is it harder to work with first time home buyers or, uh, somebody that's bought a home three, four or five times. 
I mean, I personally think uh, those who have done it before, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult because in the back of their mind, and, and I'm yeah. just generalizing here, but it's, well, we bought this home like this last time, you know, yeah. especially that those who bought their home in the eighties and nineties that bought in the last few years, oh, well, we didn't, we didn't have to do that last time, or we didn't have to, um, go over asking we went under asking well that's that's not realistic right now we're at least first time home buyers they're going in not knowing much and it's great for me because i love education and providing very very good sound education um so it's sometimes a little bit more challenging with experienced versus first time home buyers it's interesting totally i have a client right now that is in the middle of a contract uh on a home but it's a first time home buyer couple but the father-in-law or the, the father of the bride, I got to tell you, he's exactly what you're saying. We didn't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You don't want to mm -hmm. do it. You know, and it's just, it's a re-education every time on the phone for 20, 30, 40 minutes to go yeah. down. Okay. This was not in place when he last purchased in 1975. Yeah. Uh, that Blair, I think you just described, it's a nightmare. I was in a closing first time home buyer. The parents came and they're very educated, very bought many houses over the years. And this young man was buying a very nice home for his first home. And we found the right one. Everybody was happy. We got the title. Mom showed up and mom called a real estate attorney with the closing docs and started asking questions about lender docs and title docs. And, and we were in a contingent type thing. So this house would sell so this other person could buy. Funny enough, same title company <laughs> right over there. And I finally pulled the client out and I said, listen, if you want to buy the house, you're going to sign everything right where they tell you to sign it. You can ask a question here or there, but the real estate attorney thing, every sentence, not in, he went in and told his mom to stop and we got through it. But that is a nightmare. Parents want what's best for their kids, but in real estate, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's experiences in the eighties and nineties versus now it's totally different. If I'd have been there, I'd been telling mom saying you had three days to look over these documents before <laughs> you're buying. Uh, why wasn't that done then? The ones that scare me are the engineers that read everything and they come in with a printed copy, every, every ear, ear noted page and they want to go over it. Um, my son is that engineer, but uh, he's a blessing. <laughs> Well, Eric, real quick, give us some insight to your, the Ravenscroft group and what are the resources if they were to contact you that you provide differently and uniquely to that, if we could. Yeah. So uh, the, the biggest thing is just with my, my background in wealth management and financial planning is uh, I still offer that. So whether it's people that just need help with developing a budget um that's honestly about 75 percent of people is they just need help managing spending and you know blair you've seen this too of course when when people are talking to you getting pre-approved there's a lot of times that i'm looking at budgets it's why are you spending you know, ten thousand dollars a year eating out so sometimes it's behavioral things that i just have to kind of talk to people about let's manage the consumption let's manage the spending because that can catapult you to afford a home a lot quicker than you think. So a lot of it is 
is education and training around that. And I, I saw you were going to make a well, comment. Well, if you could, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject two. I think the two top, top things that I see in my career have been over the last seven years of one is educational loans and getting them to understand that even though they are deferred, they are still calculated into the loan. Mm-hmm. And Tom can definitely give every reason why that is. Uh, you know, you still have to pay them off. It's not like you can defer them forever. But second you can't one declare is bankruptcy and get rid of them. Right. The second is the the guy that that has an income of three thousand dollars a month, but has a fifteen hundred dollar truck payment. Yep. And and can't understand why he can't buy a home. Mm-hmm. You know, got to have the truck, the four by four with the lift, with the muds, with the <laughs> the, the noise. With the, I mean, it's just it's it is crazy to me. But you know, you said it best: the wants and the needs, and understanding the difference, mm-hmm. setting up those priorities. And so many times we're doing life education for people that have never known uh, one, one wonderful couple. He had no idea on how his wife was doing things, but she literally on the phone with him there. I had to ask, I, I mean, you've got 23 credit cards. Well, they gave me 10% off my first purchase at every one of the, you know, the re- and it's like, yeah. And, and it, let's, let's cut back. Let's, this is, is that the record? Good. That's got to be the record. Twenty-three. That's a pretty. Oh good, no, that's a pretty no. good. No. There's more. Oh no, there. I had a couple oh. with way more. Uh, but oh. this, this one guy, the guy, did not have any understanding, and she just made it sense to her that ten percent off the offer was well worth applying for that retail card. Yeah. And and it's just people. We've had Nathan on Nathan Biller with White and Jacobs, another sponsor of our group. And we, you know, he explains, you just can't retail cards are some, some of the most hardest hitting credit score hits that you can have, especially, you know, a $300 card or you'd rather have one card at, at 25,000 limit makes a huge difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. But just understanding that getting to that education and having the professional like, like Eric, to be able to talk with, to be able to bounce ideas. And you may have a philosophy, you may have a thought process, um, but double check it with somebody that is in the know. Mom and dad are great. If mom and dad were not lenders or realtors, I'm just going to say they probably don't know all the ins and outs, the pros and cons to what they want to do. One of the things that Eric has made known to me, and I, I greatly appreciate his intelligence on this because Reverse mortgages have been been pretty much tagged as the worst loan product out there by the majority of the world. They've heard bad things about it. Yet explain to me why 63% of the people that uses reverse mortgages are multimillionaires. Okay? They know something you don't. And they are using the tool, the mortgage, properly to generate wealth for themselves. So please ask a professional Mom and dad, aunt and uncle, sister, brother, their experiences are all great. And you need those referrals. We love referrals. But ask a professional, a licensed professional that does it day in and day out to understand the difference. I bet if I ask and I'll ask him real quick, we got a little bit of time. A reverse mortgage can be a good thing on the wealth side. Is it not, sir? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It, again, it, like you said, it's a tool. You paint a picture of someone that bought their house in, I'll use California as an example, especially Southern California in the early 60s. My grandparents, they bought their house for 32000 and and that was in, in Santa Barbara. So you fast forward to now, that house is easily worth $1.52 million. So if you're leveraging and using a reverse mortgage, that's income for that retiree that would not have that otherwise. And it's not selling the home. Um, and of course, Blair can go in this a little more detail, but there's tax benefits too um, with, with the reverse mortgage. So um, yeah, definitely you're 100% you're correct on that. In a sense, they're getting paid to live there. They're paying yep. themselves. They're yeah, paying right. themselves to right. live there instead of passing on to their heirs. They're taking money out in that situation, but there's also added value in investing at an interest rate that you would, you establish personally, and it can become an investment tool. This is why multimillionaires use this product because it literally allows them to generate wealth in a way that is so unique based on real estate. And as we said earlier, real estate has created more millionaires than we know. So thank you, millionaire, Tom. We're glad you're here. <laughs> wow. How quickly the world turns. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tom, how you doing, buddy? I'm here for you, bro. Well, thank you. Somebody to support me. Jeez, Louise. I got your back. Me and Abe. Thank you. Wait a minute. Yeah. I don't support him? Wow. <laughs> Seven years I've been carrying him around. I tell you, I know, right? I'm so, I'm so <laughs> I, sorry. I the burden, knee surgeries. Come on, the burden is too too much. I do. Well, I wonder if um, are you doing any commercial as far as investing in commercial real estate? I teach this class at Champion School of Real Estate, and one of the things that I run into is I don't have quite as much commercial background as I would like to have. I mean, I've had, I bought some investment properties in that situation in the past, but residential's always kind of been my bread and butter. Do you get outside of residential? No, as far it's as investing? Most, mostly residential. Residential, um, okay. Yeah, we have a few commercial partners that we work with out here, but for me, it's, a, it's mostly residential. Yeah. Yeah. And Tom, well, I, know, I know somebody locally in Fathom that specializes in the, the commercial aspect of investing. So well, if you want to talk to somebody, we can put you in touch. Okay, let's do that. That would be good. Okay. Hey, I want to remind our listeners, welcomehomeradio.net, Facebook, YouTube, please like us there, uh, share. But also now uh, our, our wonderful radio station has taken us so much further. You can find us on Apple, Google, Pod Paradise, Podcast Addict, Podcast Cast, Podcast In. I didn't know all about these. Listen Notes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Amazon. So please share, please download. Uh, and if you have questions, Alan said it over and over, please go to welcomehomeradio.net. Ask your questions there. We will get back with you and or do a whole show on that topic that you would like to discuss. Eric, I want to thank you so much for taking time. Getting up early on the West Coast. <laughs> oh, he's up so early. He yeah. is. He, I mean, come After on. he worked out. But so thankful for you taking the time and the sponsorship of Welcome Home Radio. We appreciate everything you do for your customers. Uh, such a blessing. 
I want to thank you for today. I hope it's a blessed one for you. And anything, final words from you? Final words is really, I mean, if there's anyone that just has questions, like kind of like I said, and a lot of the additional services that we offer are at no cost. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the brokerage that Al and I are part of at Fathom Realty is we're we're in this industry to be a servant to others and to help others. So any questions at all that anyone has, um, all of our services, as far as the financial, the budget, we don't charge for that. Again, it's, it's, it's a value add to people who are truly in need. So anything that I can do to be a resource, even here out in Arizona, regardless of where you are, I'm more than happy to, to assist. And, and well, thank you resource. so much. Thank you so much for that great word. I just want to appreciate, appreciate the time you take in with us in a great way that we should not have fear in this market just because interest rates or just because the situations that are going on. Again, you walked us through very well about priorities, wants and needs and the differences. So thank you. Thank you again. I'm Blair Thomas. And I'm Tom Holm. I'm Alan Pace. God bless. Have a great rest of your week. Take care. Uh